plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. What'd you say? Plus minus. Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Um, he's well plus minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome back, Warriors plus minus. Contrary to popular belief, or at least the belief of one of our co-hosts, this is going to be a great episode. <laughs> Guess which one? <laughs> Guess which one just spent ten minutes before the show ripping the show? Are the topics obvious? No, maybe they're not that obvious. Are they falling from the sky with great reward? Maybe not. But we are four magical, magical reporters who can find something to talk about. Slater, do you agree with me? Have they been falling from the sky for the last six months? Not really. Right? I mean, that- we've we've made it through a pandemic. Remember when we spent a month and a half discussing like restart plans and like where sports was going? We had to, and there were some really dark conversations about like sports not coming back for a long time. They have come back, which, by the way, one thing I love about what's going on right now, there's never been anything like this. NBA playoffs, conference finals, MLB pennant race, week two of the NFL, college football is really starting to kick off, SEC's playing this weekend. Like, this is unprecededened. I don't like this, actually. It's a sports pileup. It's too much. Like, I don't like having to make these choices. Like, I, I need everything in its place, so my priorities are set. Like, Can you what, imagine what, if it was the Warriors in the conference finals? Oh, yeah, it'd be amazing. My, yeah, my be sympathies are with golf, with its U.S. Open going against the NFL. That's not something that they typically count on happening. A non-Tiger weekend going up against the NFL. Hey, when I even talked about hockey, how big hockey is, of course, to everybody. And, you know, it's not a quiet time in politics, I wouldn't say either. Nah, so. maybe not. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Some of this, yeah, they're going to go up against a debate pretty soon. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, but we knew this was coming. We knew this was coming. Better this than what we were going through in April and May, obviously. We're it all is, at the club. We're all deep. <laughs> everybody, everybody at the club together. It's, it's, this is crazy. It's one club. With masks on, though. With masks on. Let's not get fined. I don't want to get a $250,000. The Zoom club. The Zoom club. It's the new water cooler. Zoom the new water cooler. You'll discuss these things the day after. I mean, that's what we're really missing. It's just a place other than this fantastic podcast Thank with you. our fantastic subjects. People are lacking a place to discuss these things, but that's what we're here for. This is what we do. We're ready in honor of Slater's stance last week to keep us focused on what is actually happening. Slater, tomorrow begins the Warriors training camp and mini camp, mini mini camp. camp. Sorry, not training camp, mini camp. I keep getting these text messages about Steph and Draymond not participating. Do you want to inform the, the listeners? Like, what's the deal with that? 
Well, minicamp technically started Monday because of this 48-hour quarantine that has been mandated. If you want to be involved as a coach, as a player, as a PR guy, for example, Raymond Ritter is in quarantine right now, you have to have 48 hours in a hotel room before you can even get to the starting line. And that is, I think, a very large issue right now with the veterans because particularly the ones with families, it's a little bit different for an Eric Paschal and Alan Smiley. Sure, we'll stay 48 hours in a hotel room. We'll go practice. Steph Curry, three kids, global life, very high-speed life. Draymond Green, soon to have another child, already you know takes care of a couple. Fiance, also kind of a fast business life. He's flying to Atlanta. He's on TNT doing basically social justice shows and NBA analyst shows. The time commitment of, I think, having to quarantine for two straight days to even get to the practice floor and then doing a few off-season practices when you're still months away from a season. It just seems like family-wise, neither of them have agreed to do that. I'll say this. I still don't think Clay Thompson is 100% in. Wasn't he there? Wasn't he take photos from Chase Center the other day? Clay Thompson is working out at Chase. As of yesterday, he was not yet in quarantine. He was working, from what I've heard, he was working out on Monday at chase which means he was not yet doing the quarantine so the other thing is any of these guys can jump into the 48 hour quarantine at any point and then just start practicing doesn't sound like any of them will be in there at the beginning clay is the most likely to join at some point and how long is this gonna go i just want to like that's one thing i have not until october 6th okay so they got some time they got yes i just remember when you were on my podcast anthony we were talking about how onerous these restrictions seemed and talking about okay well you know i guess it's onerous but it makes sense that these players would want to get back in the swing of things even though man if you're steph curry you've got this atherton mansion and if you're these you know if you're draymond if you're clay and it just seems like are they really gonna do it are they really going to hole up in a hotel instead of enjoy the fruits of all their labors over the years and i think we might be seeing an indication that they might not be all that willing to and i don't know if the nba needs to restructure what they're doing or figure out a way to get everybody on the same page but it does seem like a lot to ask i know a lot of people listening are going to say are you kidding me i mean look at what i have to deal with at my work but it's just not something that a superstar is accustomed to doing really i just don't know who these guys are anymore i remember back in the day tk they would volunteer show up at the stadium for practices at, at the practice facility before they were commanded they were hosting like five on fives all day david lee and, and draymond going at it what happened to this diva team that's like oh <laughs> i can't practice when you make the first $100 million, things it's change. It's like, yeah, you, just, you, you lose all that. Uh, we got to practice. We got to get better. What's interesting about it, though, is, you know, and you have, uh, you know, when you talk to people behind the scenes, they're like, man, I just wish they would allow them to go back to their houses and come back and not have to do the quarantine aspect. And the thing is, the players can't really complain to the franchise about it or, or tell the NBA, no, you can't do this to us. You know, let us go home because it's the players union that made this happen. This is all a players union thing. And also, what if they were in the bubble? Like, what if they made the playoffs? Like, they're players who's three months away from their family. You are correct. But the difference is the motivation factor of let's go play basketball. Let's go try to win a title where the Warriors, it's let's practice five times. Yeah, I feel like the delete eight, it's almost like how the players union screws the, the rookies coming in with the rookie scale because they're not a part of the union or they go, yeah, whatever, we'll have an age limit because the guys who would be affected, they're not a part of the union yet. It, it, it feels a little bit like 
the power of the union are guys who are inside that playoff bubble and they made a bunch of rules that now the delete eight has to abide by. And maybe the delete eight wasn't totally with the rules that were made. It's pretty clear that the Warriors executives wanted more out of this uh, than they're getting at the moment. We'll see if all three of them don't take part in this. This is not what the Warriors were envisioning. Certainly not what Steve Kerr was envisioning at all. Remember early on, he was, he wanted like hard workouts, drills, going to get everybody in the scheme. Then to Slater the other day, he was like, okay, maybe just kind of everybody get together. But Myers has talked about how, you know, they got to see how everybody looks together. They don't know how, well, they might not see any of that. You know, they, they might just have, I mean, I assume Wiggins is going to be there, but what Wiggins is your most established player there, that doesn't really tell you a lot about the team. It'll maybe look a lot like the season we just watched. Exactly. <laughs> and so that's, it's not what they, and again, we don't know the importance of that because there's never been, you know, mid-offseason minicamp like this. Uh, we don't know when the season's going to start. We don't know any of this, but it's not what the Warriors wanted. I think, let's make that clear. It, this is not what they wanted. It's different, as Marcus is pointing out. Like, remember Mark Jackson's first season? Like, they were going five on five for a month before training camp to get themselves into a mentality, to reset who they were. Maybe they don't need to reset who they are, but this is not what Steve Kerr, Bob Myers, and the rest wanted out of this. They're going to have to make some, already have made some rapid adjustments, and then see what they get out of it. It doesn't feel like who they are, right, or who they've been. Obviously, they have, you know, legitimate reasons for operating this way, but the day that Draymond, Steph, and Clay decide yeah, we're not going to make sure all the youngsters are together or we're more concerned about this other stuff. Like when training camp starts, maybe they'll shift back into gear. It's just weird to hear that from them, right? It just These are players who've built the whole thing on this strength of numbers, camaraderie vibe, together and team dinners and all that stuff. So it was a symbol of how they're in a completely new place. And dare I say it, this is the most San Francisco thing I've heard from the Warriors in a while. I'm less judgmental. I got to say, I'm less judgmental on it. Right now, I don't have hundreds of millions of dollars, but I am in my abode. I wouldn't want to be forced into some sort of situation where I'm holing up in a hotel and I'm away from my family and my son. I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't find that to be very acceptable for what is essentially almost like a, a, a whatever our equivalent of a preseason training is and so i i'm just less judgmental about it and i have to wonder trying to be careful here because obviously covid is still I'm sorry does clay have children does clay <laughs> have a, a wife oh, okay. he has a dog right. he, he treats that dog like a child i do I, think I, clay will end up in the bubble i'm trying to be careful here but it does seem like the rules were made with the level of caution that we had a few months ago. And now it's almost like the seal has been torn off, that we've had games, we've had different leagues, and guys have gotten COVID-19, and then they've you know been treated and they've come back from it. And it seems like it seems like we're at a place right now where there's maybe a little bit more of an appetite for, hey, test guys every day, but maybe you don't have to keep them locked into a bubble. Am I crazy for thinking that? Did anyone watch college football this past weekend? I mean, I'm, I'm watching the Georgia Tech game, and there's like a half full stadium, maybe. Uh, I watched my uh, alma mater, Oklahoma State, who has a coach who might not, uh, you know, agree with uh, everything the scientists might be saying, but it was pretty packed up in Stillwater. Uh, they, were, they were showing Eskimo Joes. Like no the, positive test for the NFL right now uh, is another one. Look, I don't think that's necessarily a good idea to load these stadiums. Actually, I, could, I don't think it was a good idea, particularly in these college towns, but... You know if 
these guys are seeing that they're seeing the NFL are playing in these stadiums flying. The Niners are flying back and forth, right? From no, no, they're in West Virginia, West Virginia. Now. Okay, regardless, they're flying cross country in the middle of this. Where then the Warriors are players, particularly we're talking about the stars are probably like we we can't just go from our house to the arena instead of the hotel. It's the NBA Players Association. They were very, remember they were going to say no mini camps because it's jeopardized and they didn't want anybody to feel forced to do it. So one, it's NBPA. Two, it is voluntary. It is absolutely it cannot force people to do it. What MT and I are underlining is this is not what built this, and that's okay. It, I agree. Maybe it doesn't have to be built again. It even makes sense. Yeah, it even makes sense. Both things can be true. I think that these are. They're almost July regulations for what's going to be in October time. And also, it's illustrative of something with the Warriors shifting. I think both things are true. Yeah, I'll just say, you know, defending anybody's right to be with their families, absolutely voluntary. But it's always been, okay, do I have to do this? Well, Steph and Draymond were doing it 10 times more than me. So I got to do it. If something happens in the huddle, well, Draymond blew up, but man, he works harder. He's more committed to us than anybody. Of course, I got to do it. I can't say now, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, Jordan Poole gets yelled at by Draymond. I go, where the hell were you, you know, in late, late September? I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm saying it's never been a question that it could happen. And now, theoretically, it could. This is not, you know, example one. We were all around last season. Clay Thompson's on vacation for a lot of it. I understand he's rehabbing. I understand he has worked for it. You know, he was the 37 minute a night, 100 game a year workhorse, defensive, you know, pit bull out there. Draymond Green has his resume behind him and Steph Curry. So, like, they've earned whatever they've decided to do with it. But the reality is, like, they took the pedal off the metal last season. And, you know, it sometimes can be tough to rev that back up to fifth gear. Uh, and maybe their thought is, hey, once training camp rolls around, we will finally turn it on. Once we have a schedule that literally says this is when your first game will be, because they don't have that right now. But I would say this is true. If if neither of them go in the bubble this week, then that's worse for the Warriors as a team. They the, like That hurts the Warriors' title chances. Now, the family aspect is 100% excusable. I understand all that. But like this just this doesn't help their goal of climbing back to the title. I think... Steve Kerr and Bob Myers thought this was going to reset, relaunch. You know, this is going to set up who they are going into next season, and it's probably not going to do that. Yeah, that's all right. Again, it's September, whatever it is, and the season's going to start January or wherever. Long time to go on that. But what they had hoped this would be, it's not going to be. And it's the Andrew Wiggins camp. Well, maybe it's going to be great for Andrew Wiggins. Maybe he turns into the leader. Maybe, you know, all these things develop Until they on get a separate back. track. Yeah, yeah. but, <laughs> but uh, at the moment, this is not what they envisioned. And I would assume there's some disappointment in the Warriors uh, higher ups for sure. The question is, when they are ready to, can they flip that switch? Like, what is this long time off? What is this them being kind of separate from what's happening with the Warriors what does it do once they get back together like we don't know until it happens when it happens then we'll see it's still Steph Clay and Draymond right they're they're still the foundation of the franchise but you know I'll tell you this watching these uh playoffs it's funny how they might be going against themselves in the same way how they were the team that used like this collective chemistry and togetherness to kind of make up for whatever limitations and and go after the big teams, right? That's how they did it, was being together. Now you look at a team like Denver, how tough is Denver going to be next season, having gone through this together? Uh, you start weighing 
who they're going against and what they have to conquer. Like a lot of these teams, and this is probably this is why Steve Kerr wants some kind of camp because something's being built. Maybe the Clippers. Maybe the Clippers didn't build something. Maybe it actually fell apart. Well, even like the Suns, you know, the Suns aren't going to be a, a threat next year. But you think the Suns aren't going to have some momentum off what they did in the bubble for sure? The Suns are going to be tougher next season, no question. I have circled that team for the worst. Dallas, you know, you you got some teams in the West that are much tougher than they were and going to be much tougher for the Warriors. I think specifically, you know, they built some things in the bubble. Again, Warriors weren't in the bubble. And we'll see how that all plays out. Maybe they'll be fresher because of it. It might be a quick, you know, feel like a quick turnaround for some of these teams, even these young teams. But yeah, we're beginning to see this is how an older team acts. <laughs> right? I mean, we're right, not. Right, we're, we're all seeing that this is how an older team acts. This is how, you know, before Steph goes to China, Clay goes to China, they come back to the Olympic, whatever. Da, 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 doesn't matter. Boop. You know, training camp starts. They're feeling great. Maybe they're accounting for. They didn't even play last season hardly, and they're already taking extra time off. Is just how a mature to possibly post mature team, if I can say it nicely, begins to think about post maturity. I like that term, post maturity. <laughs> they're they're on the other side of maturity. There's hey, we got a word for that, TK. We just call it washed. I avoided that word. I avoided that one. Pre-washed. How about that one? But uh, this is how they act. Like, you know, they got other things. That's impo- that's huge. I get it. No question. Especially and, them kids, man. I, yeah, I can attest to that. Absolutely. Like, you got to be around your kids right no now. No question. And the truth is, if, if they aren't very good next season, if they flame into like a sixth seed and then get bounced in the first round, we'll criticize them. But that'll also be like, well, we're all Hall of Famers. When any of us hang them up, if all of them retire tomorrow, which obviously they're not going to. It's tough to criticize, but I, I think as we look forward, as we spin it forward, this is not a good check mark on what we think is coming next year. You know, what we saw this season, right? I mean, if anything was going to shock somebody and say, oh my God, we got to do everything possible to make sure this doesn't happen again, maybe they're sure it won't. You know, Clay back, Steph back. We'll see with the draft pick. We'll see what they do for you. know what? They're going to be just fine. That is theoretically fine. And what would be going to a mini camp do? Get them two more wins? Probably not even that. So we're just talking about things here, and we don't know. Again, nobody knows. And is anybody going, oh, man, Detroit's got that mini camp. Watch out for them next season. They're really looking good at that mini camp. I no. just think it's the symbolism. So, and, yes, and it's no question, no question. And also, I wonder if, if LeBron wins another championship and is getting all that coverage, and I wonder if that does a little something as well. If suddenly the Lakers are the defending champs. It's no longer the Warriors who are the focus of what's happening on the West Coast. LeBron has won more than Steph. I wonder if that that lights a little fire under them. Yeah, I mean, maybe it does going into camp and like, you know, we all know the storylines will be like, here come the Warriors. But how about when they're playing, you know, their fourth game in six nights and they're in Detroit next year and it's like Steph and Clay and Draymond are coming off 35 minutes and they're, you know, whatever, seven and four early in the season. Like, all right, you're playing tonight. You're going to go hard. This is a young team that want, you know, they you're you're a highlight team on their schedule. They're going to be coming after you. Do you have that full level, 100 percent hunger or is it at 85 percent? You want a title, but do you want it? That will, to me, be an underlying question going into next season. And and these are the moments from this past offseason and the season before we need to remember. 
it symbolizes stuff to us. It just does. Yeah, you you weren't quite on the same page with Eric Pascal, Clay. Why weren't you? Well, you know, again, we're <laughs> speculating. If you Clay, were at Clay, minicamp. No, no, Clay, no, 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 no. Clay's, Clay's response would be, uh, who? Yeah, <laughs> that guy over there? <laughs> Ethan, you said if LeBron wins, it might get perked up some interest. I you thought, you know what's going to perk the most interest up is the guy who plays for the Brooklyn Nets. He's probably Manhattan Beach right now. But that guy is more tied to what LeBron does than I think than anybody. He missed, happened to miss a season, uh, and I think he's the one who's watching LeBron more than anybody. That's just me. They're gonna be an interesting story next year with Nash coaching them. Interesting to say, uh, to say the least. I will say nobody has mattered like the Warriors, like the Warriors mattered in a while. I will say that. I mean, this Laker team—it's the league's biggest brand, and it's LeBron, but it does not resonate like the Steph Curry Warriors did or do. And that's reflected in the num and that's reflected in the numbers. I mean, that's I, I know this is a weird situation. We've got a bit of a sports pile up, but you know, you look at the numbers, people watching the Warriors play the Blazers last playoffs versus who's tuning in for LeBron and the vaunted Lakers against the Nuggets. There's something the Warriors the Warriors captured something in twenty fifteen. You know, they they really captured something and I still think that they have the cachet that seems to be beyond anybody else's cachet, the Steph Clay Warriors. So it would be nice if they could rejoin the fray and, and actually battle for a championship. That's what Steph and Draymond are saying. We still got it. Why, why do we need to go to a minicamp? <laughs> why do I need a quarantine? Ethan's still talking about us being bigger than everybody. What, what the hell do we do just sit in a hotel room? We're still Steph Clay and Draymond. We're and they still. are. And they and will they are. be. And, and they are. Absolutely. It's all true. It's a flex. That's what it is. It's a It flex. is, but you've got to win with a team next year. The team is trying to be rebuilt what if they know? Them. What if they know this won't even be the team? Like, Steph's like, yo, man, how let me with Giannis show up? Like, I, was... <laughs> <laughs> I swear, that, I think that they did that. You, Ethan. I think they did it in training that was camp for last you. season. That was a... Maybe <laughs> they've been listening too much to this podcast, and they I actually know. think it's... Like... <laughs> tune, tune it down. Tune it down, guys. My God. I think Steph knows. I think Steph knows one way or the other what's going to happen. I think he knows. I, I will say that. If it's about getting Andrew Wiggins on the same page as everybody, how important is that really? I, I don't know. Theoretically, they seem to be thinking he's really important. He, he might not end up being very important. I, I was going to say, I think they, they kind of tuned out D'Angelo Russell in training camp last season. It just feels like that to me in retrospect. Oh, D'Angelo is going to add this incredible thing. He's going to be so important. We're going to redo it. Oh, oh, no, no, no. We're not, we're not going to do any of that. And, and maybe there's a chance that that happens with Wiggins. I, I don't know, but... Oh, TK saying this a referendum on Myers. Like, yo, get your team together. I'll <laughs> wow. show up. Wow, wow. TK. <laughs> well, my goodness. Wait a minute. Wait a minute here. I just think that it's an interesting moment in this franchise's, you know, kind of we as we note them, you know, ups and downs and, you know, what their moods are and what their commitment level is and how they feel. And this is just an interesting moment for that. Uh, again, un unprecedented. We don't know. But we know what Myers and Kerr wanted out of it. And that's not this. And I think that's what I keep going back to. All right, Anthony Slater. What can we expect from this? We expected Wiggins. I can't wait to see the footage of Wiggins through Zoom, like looking incredible in a workout. Is that what's going to happen? One-on-one <laughs> -on -one with Steve Nash. Oh, no. One-on-one -on -one with Leandro, Leandro Barbosa. With Barbosa. Barbosa. There we go. With Sean Livingston looking from the rafters. Like, is that what we're going to see? Um, we'll probably see those, like, curated, you know, like, Warriors officials Twitter account tweets out, like, a minute highlight where it's just 
couple guys making some shots. I don't really think we're going to see very much at all video of this. Uh, we're going to see Zoom interviews, or Ring Central, I should say, as the as the Warriors uh, <laughs> want to uh, always acknowledge. You better get that right, sir. You, you had the list of invitees. Anybody interest you, Slater? Jonathan Simmons can... interests me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. we've all seen him in the playoffs. Um, mate, you know, he was, remember when Kawhi went out with the, that ankle? Like, he sit. scored. He scored. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was pretty solid. Uh, now, what was weird is I remember... When Jonathan Simmons left the Spurs, I was like, wow. I think he went to Philly. Um, and it was like, wow, that's a great pickup for Philly. First, he was on the Magic. The Magic gave him a nice deal. Then the Magic gave him to Philly in the Fultz deal. And he flamed out. Uh, he just never found what he had in San Antonio. And obviously, he's in the G League. He he played five games for Santa Cruz last year. Averaged like 19 a game. But he's like name number one of the guys that are invited that I'm looking at. Beyond that, I mean, Zach Norvell like, was on a 10-day last year. He's kind of like a lefty scorer from Gonzaga that's mildly intriguing. And, I mean, but we should go beyond that, you know, Michael Mulder. Remember, like, when this thing shut down, Michael Mulder was starting to impress us. And they even gave him a – they didn't even go second 10-day. They're like, no, we want you in the program. He's a name. There are a bunch of other names, but the reality is I can't – I'm not going to be able to sit there and give you much of an opinion because I'm really not going to see these guys. We're just going to hear what, like, Steve Kerr tells us, what the players tell us. So I'm not going to take too much away. I just know scrimmaging, literally five-on-five scrimmaging, is very important for a lot of these guys because they have not been able to physically do it in six months. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, I'm Taz Mellis of No Dunks on the Athletic. Do you want to walk into a room with your chest puffed out, your neck long, and your shoulders broad? Of course you do. For me, getting clothes that fit properly can give me the confidence I need to do just that. Indochino hooked me up with the gear that fits perfectly. I dreaded getting dressed for my Zoom meetings, but now I change for each one with a big smile on my face. I did a virtual fitting on Indochino's slick website for them to get my measurements. I didn't have to talk to a single human. There are so many options. Here are a few I chose. A long shirt, because I tuck it in. I got a no dunks monogram and I decided against the shirt pocket. I sincerely did not think that custom fit clothing was this affordable, and all customizations are included in the cost. The website keeps your measurements on file so you never have to re-enter them. The best part, Indochino suits start at just $2.99 with all customizations included. Indochino is a no-brainer if you're getting married. Visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America. Or book a virtual appointment like I did and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more when you enter code TAS. Not ASS, TAS, T-A-S, at checkout. That's Indochino.com, promo code TAS. Listen, I know Slater only wants to talk about the actual team we cover, and Ethan only wants to talk about Giannis. But either way, no matter what, You can get whatever we come up with for a dollar a month. Don't miss our exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season, which might include Giannis coming to the Warriors, a pipe dream, or it might just include the actual Warriors and what's going on with the franchise. Let's see who wins this tug of war between Ethan and Slater. And it'll only cost you a dollar a month. Look, we know Slater only wants to talk about what's actually real and happening and going on with the team. And we know Ethan would much rather talk about Giannis pipe dreams and trades and scenarios where the Warriors take over the world again. Either way, no matter whichever is right or wrong, 
it will only cost you a dollar a month to find out. It only costs you a dollar a month to read whatever it is great that we come up with. That's a pretty good deal, right? So don't miss our exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. That might include, might include Giannis to the Warriors or likely won't include it. Either way, if you subscribe now, you will save. In addition to however this works out, you'll get all access to our exclusive in-depth coverage of the 49ers, of the Raiders, Giants, Ace, and you'll also get unlimited access to breaking news, in-depth stories, expert analysis, basically just about every sport you want, right? We even got golf now. You know what I'm saying? Come check out my WNBA coverage, you feel me? So, a dollar a month, that's it. That's all it takes. Sign up now to see yourself to our creativity, our reporting, and our storytelling about the pipe dream of Giannis coming to the Warriors that sets the athletic apart. Or come holler at us, right? Athletic.com slash Warriors plus minus, and you can get the actual, real, factual coverage of the team. Like the real stuff, not the speculation, the actual news of what's happening, what's going on, who's doing what, who's improving, right? All of that you can get access to for a dollar a month. So sports are back. Don't miss it. Don't miss all that we bring. Theathletic.com slash Warriors plus minus. And you got it for a dollar a month. You know, we're going over here. We're going, oh, man, Barbosa looks really good. Oh, man, he's that guy. That guy still got it. That guy still got We're going to hear stuff like that, I think. Oh, you should see him rebounding. Oh, oh man. Yeah. He's, he's still, still fast. fast. He, he can suit fast. up now. Yeah. <laughs> I think we know Steve is going to really pump Wiggins up because Steve has pumped Wiggins up a lot from day one. That has been, I think, his philosophy with Wiggins. It's just like, remember when his first few weeks, it was like, oh, yeah, I know he might not have had an efficient scoring night today, but the defense, oh, so underrated, so undervalued. So we'll hear a lot of that. Yeah, they're committed to that. I think they're right. Like they in the stance that he needs positive reinforcement. Like there is a guy you can just tell. Like if you give him positive reinforcement, then he might be you know begin to get somewhere. You start getting on him, I think he goes into a shell. So I can see this. He did play pretty well for them. I mean, I'm a Wiggins critic before he showed up with the Warriors, but I think he played hard. You know, he was trying to play some defense and actually probably played some. <laughs> look, look, at that, played look at some that. Look at that high praise. Some, actually played some, I should say that. He did play some defense. <laughs> They're trying to get the most out of him, and I can understand the praise. I think it might be a little bit over the top, but that's okay. They're, they're trying TK's to like, achieve he something. He played hard. He, I mean, yeah. he did play. <laughs> I actually thought he was good in that stretch. Yeah, he wasn't bad. He wasn't. But the truth is, as Wolves fans uh, very loudly said when that was happening, it's like he's had really good 12-game stretches before. You know, most people who want to judge Wiggins say, give me 40 games of it. Give me a full season of it. Show me in the playoffs. Um, Because night to night, I mean, he can look like an all-star. This is his camp. This is his camp to do it. Like, there's not going to be anybody else to challenge that, really. Wiggins can't. Wow. But the truth is, he really needed Steph Draymond there to like feel that you know he needs to he needs to understand his role. You know what he doesn't need? He doesn't need to go out there and be the star guy of like a I'm not gonna say a G League team because they have better than that, but you know what I mean? Like he need, he needs to feel what being the fourth guy on a roster is. Yep. Yeah, You're saying gonna he's gonna that's demand the ball now in the final seconds because you know, mini camp. 
Wave off, Steph. Go over the corner there. He's going to be mad. Kerr called to play for Clay instead of him. Like, man, I was here at minicamp in September. It should be me. What we all know is playing with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green is a very unique basketball ecosystem. It's unlike anything the Wolves ever had. We know that. Just the off-ball cutting and movement and back cuts and Draymond springing the ball up so suddenly your big man is the point guard. Kind of got to feel that on a court. And that yeah, what just, did D'Angelo Russell tell you, Marcus, right before he got traded? Man, he what what did he say? It was he he's was gonna like have a, to get in shape. <laughs> he had to get in shape, and also, uh, no, he was it was something else he was saying. I I remember he was like off the ball. He was like, yeah, I never I never played off the ball like this. It's weird not having a ball in my hands. That's that's always the adjustment. I don't know how much of an adjustment that is for Wiggins. He feels like a player who's kind of you know equipped to play off the ball, but. We've also seen the Nick Youngs of the world and, you know, get the shot. And it's like, should I actually be taking this? <laughs> because there are two other shooters. So, like, all that all that is stuff he has to feel. He won't feel it in September. He'll probably feel it in, in training camp. But I don't know. You, Slater, you really think he'll, he'll like, get a – this could have some kind of detriment if Wiggins is the man in, in minicamp? I don't think detriment, but I think it is just a missed opportunity, as you know, this summer has been. It, it just pushes back the integration of these guys. Like, and again, they'll have a training camp. They have an eighty-two game season that you know we assume that they'll probably, as long as they stay healthy, they won't have to win. You know, it's not going to be like they're just going to be scraping into the eight seed. Although, who knows? So they have time. Don't get me wrong, but it's just again, it just it just pushes back what should have been an integration process. I do wonder who's enforcing these regulations, you know, if they just go into the camp with us, not, we're not there, right? This is all over, this is all over Zoom. Does the NBA have any spies? I mean, how would any... Michelle Roberts is, you know, the NBA PA is the one that's really, you know, set these guidelines down. So I assume that they would hope that other members of the other union would... I presented this idea to somebody in the organization of like, yeah, could you just waive the quarantine? And they were like, nope. And like, no way. Uh Uh-uh. Like, it's not NBA rules. Can't do it. I mean, the problem is the stakes are too high. They might be stripped the first round. There's probably little enforcement, but it's just not worth it. Just in case one of your players on social, there's like an IG post and there's somebody in the background. And, you know, that's ultimately how it would happen is you would, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. You would incriminate yourself. That's, that's how it would happen. Or what if like, you know, somebody got it and then like three people suddenly on the team had it and you know, Corona. And then, so there's like an investigation of like, how did it get in? You don't want to open yourself up to that to make sure you can get nine practices. And also that I think they would be punished if it was found out they would be punished heavily, heavily. And they can't afford nothing right now. Like, yeah. They would get their, uh, they would get that Minnesota pick taken. Yeah. It would I think be, like a would. New, be like a Joe Smith situation is what would happen. And another practical part of this, I'm not trying to put too much into this, but, you know, Myers told me, like, they wanted to use this minicamp to see what they're going to do with a draft pick and what they're going to do in free agency. Can Andrew Wiggins be our wing or do we have to look at another wing? I mean, like, literally, that's what it meant, in, in my opinion. And they're not going to know that. They, they are not going to know that after this minicamp. Now, is that a huge deal? Should you make a decision based on four practices in a minute? No. But they wanted more information, which they did not get from the regular season. They got no information on how that all would work in, in the regular season. 
this would be their shot to take a look at it, and they're not going to have it. So that, you know, they got some big decisions to make. They got number two overall pick. I don't think it's that hard. You just take the best guy, but, you know, chemistry is a part of this. Mix is a part of this. They always talk about mix. And what do you do? You use that $17.2 million exception on a wing? Do you have to? Do you sort of not? Do you think about it? They wanted more information from this mini camp. They're not going to get it unless you know they just see something from Wiggins that they can tell to detect above and beyond him sharing the ball, sharing the court with Steph Curry and, and Draymond Green. They're not going to get what they were hoping to get. So speaking of what they're hoping to get or, or hopes to get, Ethan, who are you looking forward to in camp? You can't wait to see this Kai Bowman and what his hair is looking like right now. It's got to be Smiley Geach for Ethan. It's got to. Oh be yeah, yeah, it's good. Smiley. You know, he, the he, smiley for, he forgot. He forgot who this guy was. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Ethan Russell. Ethan needs a mini camp. Ethan needs a mini. <laughs> Did Smiley add twenty five pounds of muscle? You know, after we've seen what if the, the the exploits in in the bubble with Jokic is there now a more of an appetite for uh, the Serbian talent pipeline. And uh, we have raised expectations for Smiley Geach. These are questions on my mind. They, they, they really are. And I would Forget like to Forget about see how Wiggins is going to be like next to Steph and, and Draymond. What's it going to be next to Smiley Geach? I feel like people have written Smiley Geach off. I've never said he's going to be some sort of star. or I, I don't know. I think there's something there. He plays hard. I'm curious about him. He is actually, all kidding aside... He is a guy I would want to watch and just see, okay, is this guy going to be a player or not? He's somebody who has my interest at least. And, yeah, Wiggins and, you know, maybe some Pascal. Maybe some Pascal throw in there. Yeah, that's who I want to see. I want to see Pascal. I most, I definitely want to see, like, how his body looks. He just looks like a guy who, if he doesn't keep it together, it could be a problem. And how the shot look, right? Isn't he changing his shot? That's been the word. Yeah, can you get rid of a hitch because he has a slight hitch? I mean, how did Well, they, they tried that? to, and then he shot terribly to start the season, and then he was like, please let me go back, and they let him go back, and he shot it better. Well, the one thing I would say about the shot is, like, that is literally the only thing they've been allowed to do is come in. Like, hey, yeah, sure, he can come in with Theo Robertson. They can go to the side and, like, just talk about the shot. Hey, keep shooting. I can rebound because they've been limited to one player, one coach, one basket shooting drills. So I actually – that's probably the one – area where maybe they have been able to get some progress with him but you know you want to see it in the game i know you want to get in a scrimmage hey you're running up the court how does the three look so can we get to these las vegas aces then i mean they got a big game against i'd rather get to these los angeles lakers and the west and the clippers who remember our our last podcast it was the day before game seven and they completed the collapse and now the lakers are seem to be emerging as the west power and we were talking about a warriors team underline everything that we just talked about of them trying to rise back next year what do we now currently think of the shifting landscape of the west particularly from this la situation yeah okay i mean i think we got to decide after paul george comes to the warriors paul george so disrespected is he going to make it to the minicamp or is he going to big time so disrespected all the leaks out of Clipperland really come for paul george i mean i like how you framed it anthony because i didn't think about it in terms of does this shift the conception of what the powers are and and the terrain because look in theory the Clippers have the same roster that they have but now it's a little bit rickety those guys aren't signed on the long-term contracts you wonder about it they have opt-outs both of them have opt-outs next summer yeah that's uh that's interesting that's interesting I mean they're in theory formidable for at least one more season their sixth man of the year is about to enter a very questionable free agency Montrez Harrell 
I don't know what his future is. I mean, Zubach emerged is probably the guy they should start and play more in the playoffs. It helps that Steve Ballmer has over $70 billion. I mean, that, that helps them stay together uh, in a way that other teams might not. But that things have changed a little bit. And the Lakers, we don't, we don't know. I mean, we don't want to crown them just yet. But I think if people were putting money that on screen it. screen right there. Crown them. Crown them. Crown them. I think people would think that they're probably going to win the championship right now. Even if they haven't won the Western Conference Finals yet, I think that is what most people would bet on happening as I am talking currently. So that's a pretty big shift right there. That's a pretty big shift, and it has implications going forward. If the Clippers come back intact and are desperate, and they need to be desperate, much more desperate than they were this season, and if the Lakers either win the title or let's say the Lakers lose in the final, they would come back super desperate. But either way, I mean, they would just come back with that aura about them as the defending champs. The Warriors re-enter the fray. That would be a fun little California trio. And I think actually the Clippers going down is sort of good for the Warriors because that was the feared, you know, Kawhi and, and Paul George are not old, you know, 30, right? They're both about 30, not a lot you know, out of the Warriors era, maybe right in the Warriors era. And if they had risen up as a dynasty, they had all the confidence. Uh, they were attracting other players. Uh, I think that would be a that would be a problem for the Warriors right in the Warriors. That's what like, Steph needed. Season. Steph needed a he needed dynasty the to take down. Yeah, he needed. Go get LeBron again. Yeah, I was going to say the Lakers, if they win this, are going to be feeling like pretty. I mean, yeah, they the, will Lakers be a dynasty, are, the Lakers are yeah, the Lakers are in that same window too. I mean, because LeBron oh, no, is they just got, they're playing Caruso, Caldwell Pope. They will always have an out. <laughs> Caldwell Pope shooting 44% from three I in know, the playoffs. Right? Alex Crazy. Caruso playing well. Like, they're really good. I think Kawhi was more of a, like, how are you going to deal with that for the next five years? And if that thing starts to break apart, we, we all know that Kawhi and Paul George are free agents again in a year. This feels a little temporary. And so, like, that seemed like a, a bigger deal for the Warriors to me. I always think that that, that would be a long-term issue for the Steph Curry era. Well, what's scary a little bit for the Clippers, I think, and we might see reporting on this come out soon, Kawhi seems to be a little central to some of the uh, tensions and issues that they are having right now. Oh, here's here's Ethan leaking his, leaking Uh-oh. his conversations. Well, I mean, it does seem to tiptoe around Kawhi always, you know, and then it ends up on Paul George just because he's an easier target. And I'm sure there are reasons that Paul George is an easier target, but Doc gets a lot of it too. I mean, you got to get. I mean, Doc is Doc is a Kawhi's pretty figure. well shielded at the Clippers. Well, he's two, <laughs> he's two championships, history. two Finals yeah. MVPs, kind of does that. You know, he's the best player. He put together that you know that duo, so he certainly should be. And he did not play well in that series. And ironically, he also kind of put them in this position for the best and for the worst because. He could have said, look, I'm joining the Clippers and shifted the leverage back to them when they're trying to do a deal for Paul George. But instead, he basically put a gun to their head and said, you've got to do this deal for Paul George, trade away everything. That's something that is potentially hurting them right now. And it's a messy situation out there. And they've never seemed like they had good games. I mean, I think we also, they, they should have, they had enough talent to, to beat the Nuggets, right? I mean, they know. They were the best roster of any roster. And... I'm not even sure. I mean, I won't say it wasn't close, but I think it was fairly definitive that when you looked at anybody's roster, that was the best roster. That was the best roster. Yeah, best roster and and two superstars. You know, whether we call Paul George a superstar or not, I mean, he's certainly up there. Yeah, I think Paul George is overrated, and I've always thought this. And you know, when we talked about (laughs) Lakers Clippers 
Well, you know, I was, I was saying this before the playoffs because, you know, we had, we had like a Lakers-Clippers combo podcast, and it's like the discussion was acting like it's like four superstars, two on each team, you know, and the Clippers will win because of the depth under the superstars. And I'm sitting there like, Kawhi, LeBron, and Anthony Davis are like top five, top seven players. Paul George is probably like the 30th best player, in my opinion. And he played like the... 89th best player in the league in the playoffs and like this idea that he's a top 10 guy like he just isn't he's being acted like it's like a 1a 1b with Kawhi, and i think it showed in the playoffs like he's just not there and that was a big problem and then we can get to the depth under and the depth melted i mean like montrez harrell for understandable reasons was completely out of it um and he was a he was a hindrance in that series yeah, and by the way two much Lou Williams, too much. This has hurt the other series. Too like if you've got to play Lou Williams in the fourth quarter, that's a problem. That is, he might it's get not even hot, playing him. It's yeah. the running the offense through him. Yeah. It's Lou Williams yeah. picking rolls every time. Yeah. Does. like it's too much, too much. But that's where you know what we're seeing is like if you don't have that classic initiator. It seems like, you know, Milwaukee did not have that classic initiator. It bogged down. The Clippers did not have that classic initiator. It bogged down. The Lakers have LeBron, who still can initiate every single late game possession. Sometimes you just set a screen and have Anthony Davis come off and somebody not guard him. But, you know, it's LeBron. Everything's working off of him. Paul George isn't that guy. Kawhi can be that guy, but I think we saw him wear down under that role. With Toronto, he, with Toronto, he had Kyle Lowry who could help him out on that. Siakam needs that guy. He can't do it himself. We were seeing a bunch of those kind of those guys, and the ones who can initiate can carry along everyone else. And Kawhi did not have a guy who could help him out, uh, and that's Paul George, not like Chris Webber, right? I mean, great player couldn't be that guy because he couldn't initiate. He couldn't go at a guy on his own. There's just a level there that's different. Why is Jokic that guy? I mean, that's what we're learning right now. This is another topic right here, which is, do we believe the Nuggets? Do we think it's a quirk? Are we ready to believe our eyes and say that Jokic is, I mean, a top five player? I'd go more towards eight, nine, ten. But I don't know anymore, man. He might have gotten there. Jimmy Butler or Jokic? Who's better? Jokic, I'm going. Yeah, Jokic. I mean, it's probably, but it, you know, in a playoff game, I might want the other guy. You know, it, it, it depends. It depends. It shifts. No, I definitely want Butler. <laughs> With Jokic, we're talking about somebody where best passing big, if not ever, potentially ever, with a good shot that is unblockable. I mean, he shoots it from that, you know, from that Dirk Nowitzki trajectory, and he's not the most willing shooter, but you really can't block it. And then you're adding a lot of skill on top of that. I mean, people might scoff, but when you're talking best offensive players in the NBA, his actual ranking is probably above whatever the conventional wisdom is. Yeah, I would say about Jokic, uh, he's not as good a three-point shooter as he's shown in the playoffs. I think he's around like 44%, which elevates him to another level, which if you just look historically, he's not there. He's like low 30s from three. He's just not that. He's not Dirk Nowitzki from three, even though he kind of has been. Now, the Lakers have shut down his threes. He didn't even take one game one. I, I think he's hit one total in two games. So now that that's being taken away, he looks a bit lesser of an offensive player. He's unbelievable the way they run the, uh, you know, play through him, the way they can screen, get smalls on him, cause doubles, he sees over his passing, the way he manipulates defenders with his eyes. He he is what you're saying 
Ethan, on that side, he's not a good defender. He's exploitable. That LeBron has killed him on the perimeter several times. The, the difference between when Davis gets out on the perimeter on Jamal Murray in the series and when Jokic is on the perimeter at all, it's just huge. And I know this it's an unpopular time to like maybe saying let's cool down on the Jokic stuff, but his defense is still an issue. It's not good. I guess I would counter. He has fast hands. He can at least force turnovers. Everything you said is correct. Not good is kind of kind. Yeah, I might go not the other way, but look at the upside of a a downside. I think there's potential for him. I know what the historic three-point shooting is, but he's a good shooter, man. He's an over 80% foul. uh, He he also gets wide open shots, which is good because they're not going to guard him out there, and he makes them. What happens if he really ramps up that three-point shooting? Because I see a lot of potential there. And if we're looking at next season for Jokic, and it's a little unpredictable, but sometimes he shows up to camp and he's 40 pounds overweight. So you never really know. Tell I mean, you what, he's... after the Draymond comments, which I did not disagree with, though, if they if Warriors go small, the, the Warriors-Nuggets games are going to be pretty interesting next season. Oh, <laughs> my season. God, yeah. See, they're going to try to run Jokic off the floor. Can they still do that? And what's he going to do to them on the other side? I guess what I'm saying is there's something so unique to what he can do on offense, uh, to have a center who can initiate and pass in the way that he can, that it's, I, I think it's almost, it's underrated in terms of what it does to the game and what it does in some of these playoffs. And also it overrated is, because you don't see it. He's an initiator, right? Like he's a stretch five. He makes five passes a game that are just awesome. You're like, wow, um, that you don't see from centers. I would agree with that. I would say my opinion of the Nuggets in the playoffs has been, has risen because more of, because of Jamal Murray than Jokic, to be honest with you. He has been a play. He has been the player I didn't know he was. Uh, now he's shooting like fifty percent. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. He's shooting fifty percent for three. Talk about unsustainable. But still, like I, I don't know the skill, the confidence, the craftiness, the three level scoring, his mid range, who he just seems the to be floater. emerging. Yes, who he seems to be emerging into, which is like a all star guard, which I didn't know he was, is changes things. He's an initiator. That's what I talk like. You can, you know, he's got Jokic too. But sometimes they just give him the ball and go go find something, go find a screen and make a play. And that's what I like about him. He's he's go weave through traffic. He, yeah, he's their point guard. Like in you know, in the same way that Steph, even maybe more so than Steph's the Warriors point guard because Murray really gets into the lane a lot and can finish. Steph can do it too, but it, it not quite as dynamically as Murray. These are players you need. And what, Murray's twenty two, whatever. I mean, these are young players. If we're just talking about for the Warriors podcast, that's a problem, you know. And they're not—they don't have Will Barton in the playoffs, so there's another guy. I mean, they've got layers of players. Warriors and I, one thing I to, Will Barton. Yeah, one thing I <laughs> wanted to bring up: Michael Malone. I mean, and and Mark Jackson had to kind of grudgingly do it because we know that wasn't the fondest coupling there when they were together. But Mark put together a pretty good staff before they all started leaving. We talk about Wes, Wes Unsell Jr., who I even forgot was on that first staff. Got Michael Malone. Wow. We got Ethan Sky, Darren Ehrman. That's a good staff. And Pete Myers, for all his criticism, I never thought he was a lead assistant, but he was a good assistant. There were some quality guys on that Brian staff. Brian Scalabrini can't get some love. You, you say Gallabrini came later. He came later. But uh, Jerry DiGregorio, as we know. Also, this, Mark Jackson didn't put Scalabrini on there. Yeah, that wasn't his guy. But um, that's what I he didn't really put, he didn't really put Michael Malone on there either. If you want to really, but it was a he, he put it that was his staff and that was a good staff. I mean, Mark and Mike together, 
was a really good coaching duo. I really thought that. And it, it showed in, in how much better the Warriors played. And I know, you know, Ehrman gets credit for the defense, whatever, but it was it was Mark Jackson and Michael Malone. That's the defensive that team. mentality, identity that you get through those two guys. Michael Malone has made Denver's defense in this playoffs much better than the parts, the ingredients would tell you it should be. And all of it was undone by whatever Mason Plumley was doing at the end of the game, too. For that one, too, I was looking at it and I was thinking, in that situation, is Rondo further back than you would normally be because you have more space or are there regulations that say he should be X close to the uh, X close to the sideline or the baseline? The same thing happened with Kyle Lowry on that cross-court pass to OG Ananobi. He had bowl bowl on him and he said he just backed up because there's no crowd. Because I look at that camera angle and Jokic is jumping around. A Jokic can't jump. So it's only doing so much for the uh, for the over overhead passes and it just looked like Rondo had so much space that that traditional way of doing things of having your 7-footer try to harass the inbounder seemed useless and I was thinking, man, they probably would have been better off just putting another wing in there and just double teaming LeBron on the inbound and having no blockage for rondo that might have been the better way to go about it but that's, that's oh yeah i'm looking at it now rondo's what rondo is in uh the cameraman's he's behind the cameraman right yeah. where he said it <laughs> yeah yeah that Jokic <laughs> jumping around does nothing does nothing they, they would have been better off and maybe this is why certain coaches who adjust on the fly i know that they've been bounced but i think uh nick nurse was somebody who took advantage of of little uh, strategic quirks and uh, a few others, and I don't know if I don't know if Malone was really fitting his strategy for the bubble right there. All I know is I tweeted about Plumlee how it wasn't good defense, and Mario Hazonia chimed in like, "Yeah, it was good defense," and explained. And I was convinced at that point that it wasn't good defense. Ah! <laughs> well, it depends. It, it depends on what he's supposed to do there, right? I mean, maybe you're supposed to big man. I always say big men hate running around. Screen, but even but if that's what you it. were supposed to do, it's a bad defensive plan, right? Marcus, <laughs> are you saying it's like if Boris Diaw said this guy was in perfect condition, or like, what are you? What are you saying? <laughs> I'm just saying I would listen to a defender. <laughs> Maybe quickly the last segment, but I want to ask you guys: Has your how much has your opinion of Anthony Davis changed in these playoffs? Uh, not really. No, I mean, he's really. great. He's great. He's been I mean, great. he's great. He's been great. I guess what's interesting to me a little bit in terms of Anthony Davis is how great he is and how nobody really cares that much. And I don't know. I mean, I don't think he plays a boring way. He had that. You, you showed the two threes he hit at the end. Yeah, but, but, but he had that sidestep off the dribble three-pointer, you know? Like, big guys are not supposed to be able to do that. And he is incredible, but there's just something about... It's just his facial expression. I mean, I feel expression. you. Like, people go crazy over the stuff Jokic does. And Anthony Davis kind of does the same thing, except more explosively. He just doesn't pass nearly like Jokic does. But I think there's something about his demeanor. There's just something. It's that je ne sais quoi of why a guy connects or why he doesn't. And with Davis, it's, you know, he could be averaging 40 a game in a series. And I feel like only Laker fans would care that much. It's very strange to me because I've always thought Anthony Davis was great. I, I watched all of his Kentucky games because I was just, this is unlike anything I've ever seen before. And for whatever reason, um, it's always a bit under the radar. TK called that dude an all said he was better than an all star while he was in college. Yes, I'll say as, as a long I'll never, I'll noted never forget that <laughs> AD admirer. Uh, so you know what, uh, and I don't mind saying he's more valuable than Giannis, 
But I've always, let's look at it from an entirely Warriors plus minus sort of way. If you could have one of the other, Anthony Davis or Giannis, to join the Warriors, who would be more valuable? Just like as a player right now, I'm saying it's Anthony Davis. I'm not saying he's a better player. I'm saying he would be better on the Warriors. I mean, he can I, shoot. I honestly believe that. Shooting yeah, he can is shoot. everything. He yeah. can shoot, and he can like he can play in, in a way that move the ball around. Like Giannis, still, what's his nature? Get the ball, turn on the post, and look around, and maybe take two dribbles, and maybe turn it over, and maybe dunk. AD can operate off the ball better. Too. Exactly. AD can do he slice, dice, move, cut, turn. Like I just think he could be he, what you need for, him to be. Yeah. If for the Warriors, he would be like what Durant, not the same player, but he would fit them in a beautiful way, just like Durant did. You could just see it happen. But like in a Giannis, big you'd have version. to go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And Giannis, you'd go. Okay, well, yeah, he's great. But he'd have to change a little. They'd have to change a little. You know, you know, it would be better for everybody. But I'm not entirely sure it could work out. Anthony Davis, I'll, I'd take him. Like I might say, he's the if, if the Warriors could get anybody for next season, the best player for them, I'd probably say Anthony Davis. Who do you guys think is going to win Finals MVP? Yeah, like, the Lakers are going to win. It. Become the yeah. thing. That's just weird <laughs> yeah. to me. I don't well, remember. That's a step, bio- step biographer saying. Ooh. <laughs> It wasn't a thing, right? It wasn't. A, I, I remember growing up, nobody cared. Clutch Media and its emissaries decided to emphasize it out of resentment. Shaq was big on that. I, I covered him. He was big on that. Like he always said, I don't want the uh, the se- regular season one. I want the other one. And that nobody was cared when Cedric Maxwell won Finals MVP. <laughs> it wasn't like. It- I don't want to serve this up to the Lakers on a platter. I think they are favored to win the championship now, but I don't think it's a gimme. I don't think it's a gimme. I think the Celtics are a little harder for Celt- them. Celtics. If, if, uh, the I Heat picked the Celtics. From I the actually disagree with you guys. I think the Heat would be a tougher matchup because they have Bam that could guard AD, and the Celtics have nobody that can guard AD. They have Bam that could guard AD, and then they have Crowder. They Butler, have so many dudes to throw Iguodala. Yeah. He's guarded them decently in the past. So I actually like their defensive matchups more than the Celtics. And Celtics I like got a bunch the shooters. I mean, yeah, the shooters are, are, are very tough. But the, the Lakers have guys who can guard shooters. I think, think Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum make a lot of teams look slow and old. They could really make the Lakers look slow, slow and old on the wings. They really—I mean—is Caruso going to be guarding one of those guys, Slater? Is that what's going to be happening? Hey, are you doubting Alex Caruso <laughs> because he seems to be proving people wrong? You see his dunk the other night. Anthony Slater and Alex Caruso are their careers are now strangely intertwined. You're not a believer in the revitalized Dwight Howard making an impact. <laughs> that one I really am not a believer in. I'm really not a believer in that one. I, I think the Lakers should be favored. I'll st- I picked the Celtics on this show like three months ago. I'll stick Make with them. Make the Celtics pick, Tams. Keep to it. Although they got to get by the Heat. They're down 2-1. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. I mean, that's a tough one. That's I think the Heat might be tougher for them than, than the Lakers. But I'll, I'll go I'll go with them, and I'll say Jalen Brown. That's my guy. Also, my let's not guy. count the Nuggets out. Let's not count the Nuggets out yet. Let's not do it just yet. And Slater's only when they get about- to three. Only when it gets to 3-1. Nah, let's do it. They had their chance to win, and Mason Plumlee choked it off. You had LeBron <laughs> doing nothing in the second half, and that was the game they were supposed to win. So, yeah, let's do it. Let's Let's go ahead. LeBron Finals MVP, I'm calling it. Wow. Okay. Hard to go against that one. Hard to go against that one. Well, one thing I would say is whenever people are listening to it, they're, they're going to know if the Lakers are up 3-0 or if it's 2-1. And that will... All the Nuggets have done, I don't care if you're listening and it's 3-0. Uh, nuggets. Ooh. Ooh. nuggets. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> All right, we're being told we are an hour yeah. into our podcast, so we should probably... That's fine. Uh, That's enough. That's enough. 
and we had nothing to talk about. Some people said, somebody said, we, we will be done this podcast. I wonder who, oh, Issa man. was like going to cancel it before we even started it. I was doing the Charles Barkley where you talk about how bad the games are on that night while people are watching. That's what I was doing. Ethan refuses to doubt the Denver Nuggets. Down 2-0. Maybe down 3-0 by the time people listen, but he will doubt us. But he will doubt us. He, he's, <laughs> he's rolling with the Serbians. We need a Serbian on staff. On, on the podcast, that's what we need. It's either Smiley or Yogic. Yeah, there you go. We should get him on. We probably could, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that would be fun. Let's try that. We need to get... Let's try to do that. Maybe we should try to get some guests on. But yes, it was a good podcast. 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. We got Ethan's approval. That's all we needed. Yay. Until next week, we're out.